One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. And I am going to apologize way in advance, but uh, my voice is wrecked, man. I am... It just got back last night from Orlando, uh, the International Maxwell Certification event. Uh, me and 25,000 of my closest friends uh, joined uh, in, in John Maxwell in, in four days of just very intense training and, and workshops and, and things of that sort. Um, I think this is my ninth uh, time uh, participating in that event. It gets, uh, it gets better every time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I uh, met a young lady that, that I'm dying to get on the show uh, and if I do, and, and I'll go ahead and, and tell you ahead of time, if I do get this young lady on the show, any excuse you've ever made in, in your life for any reason uh, of not doing something, she, she's going to talk you right out of that, uh, as she now holds eight Guinness Book World Records um, for achieving activities solely to fulfill a promise uh, to some orphans in Bangladesh uh, it, to, to make sure that they got their education in this lady is one of the most powerful ladies that, that I've ever had a chance to spend some time with. So we're looking forward to bringing her on the show shortly. Um, so again, coming back out of Orlando, uh, you know, got to, to spend some great time uh, with, with people that have been on the show in the past and and lined up some incredible speakers to, to, to be on this show uh, in the coming weeks. And next week, uh, I'm I'm going to detox from the show. I'm I'm going to just do what I normally do, just share and, and pour into you guys and let you know what I heard and, and learned. Um, as uh, John, uh, you know, was on fire. I mean, he was in such a great mood, on fire, and and um, we were we were looking at all of our different sessions and realized that John um, actually taught 16 hours um, out of three and a half days. Uh, which is incredible when you th- when you think about how much he's got going on. So um, I will pour into you guys next week and, and share with that. But this week, uh, I was super excited. And a friend of mine, John Stenbeck, had had let me know uh, about a few few speakers that were really um, out there and coming up and, and uh, you know rising up the the trails. And and he he found out about um, some some webinar series and things like that. And sent me a, a list of the most downloaded people in project management right now. And this gentleman was right at the top of the list. And uh, so I had to, have, had to have him on here. And when I really started to dive into what he does, um, it, I, I even more had to have him. So I reached out to him immediately and he agreed to be on the show. And I'm so excited. Um, and he, he started and it's unbelievable that he is where he is now from where he started. So I can't wait to dive into that. Because he started as an accountant, um, which, you know, as I do, aren't those just extremely funny people? Um, So from accountants to improv comedian to an IT consultant and back to an improv comedian, this gentleman's goal in life is to make you more awesome. How cool is that? He credits his improv comedy experience to much of his business success uh, on stage, on site, and online. He's been helping people apply improv skills to be better listeners, collaborators, influencers, and sought-after team members. So say yes and learn how to apply improved skills every day. So let's bring him on here right now. Coop Cooper Smith, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. And I, I just want to tell everybody that um, I've read eight Guinness Book of World Records books, 
Zach, right? Do I get close? To- no, though, that's right. That's right. I'll give you a prelude just, just, just to, <laughs> to, to throw you off for a second. When I say eliminate any excuses, this young lady was trying to raise a million dollars. So she was Googling how to do that. Uh, one of the things it said she could do was uh, swim the English Channel. Uh, there, there, there was a big problem. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a guess what, what you think that problem may be. Um, that I, she didn't know how to swim. Exactly. So she hired somebody, taught herself how to swim, and then swam the English Channel. I'm telling wow. you. And then when I'm sitting here going, my, my, my Outlook won't send an email. My, right. my life sucks. <laughs> um, you, you start to gain a whole different perspective, right? So, um, exactly. yeah, you're sitting in the audience going, I'm such a small person. I'm such a small right. person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, coming back to you, my, my Fitbit is in charge, and I want to go for a run. <laughs> you're right, right. Dude, my iPad just ran out of battery. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She she taught herself to swim, swam the English Channel to give the money away to kids and get an education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let, let's just Humble. it wasn't it wasn't for her fame and fortune. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that that that's why. I mean, people were just in tears. That's a whole other story. But let's getting back to you. Talk to me, you know, because again, the lead in. I took a stab at you just because I can, and just because one of my best friends in the world is John Stenbeck, who not only was an accountant but was on the low side of being an accountant, a forensic accountant. Um, Because those guys are super exciting to hang out with. Um, How did you get into improv? Well, for me, um, I so the the story how I became an accountant was my I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to university. So uh, my father said, "Hey, you're you're really good at math. Why don't you uh, become an accountant? Everybody needs an accountant. You'll have a good job, good benefits." I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll go for it." Uh, Went through college kind of bored, but didn't know what else to do. So I kept going, got my degree and then realized, you know what? I, I wasn't that excited about being an accountant, but I should use my degree. Got a job, was working as an accountant for a little while. Then what do all good accountants, at least in the U S do? We try to get our CPA, um, take the CPA exam. So I, I studied for the exam and I think I'm on record for being the best failure of the CPA exam. Nobody has failed as good as I did in that. Um, and that, that was kind of my wake up moment. Like, okay, maybe that's the sign. I finally, it hit me over the head. I, I don't need to be doing this stuff, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. Um, so, but I had this like creative itch. So my first thing was, and it, the way it happened, I actually saw Jimmy JJ Walker. Remember him from good times? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, this was in the early 90s. Stand-up comedy was real prevalent uh, across the U.S., and there was a stand-up comedy club on every corner. And I thought, you know, Jimmy J.J. Walker was coming. I paid, me and my girlfriend paid at the time. Now she's my wife, but paid $25 per ticket. And I saw him, and it was not, I was not, it wasn't a riveting comedy show. And I turned to my girlfriend, Janine, and said, I can do this. And she said, well, then go do it. So, um I got up and started doing open mic nights and um, I did as well in stand up probably as I did on that CPA exam. I, I, I've learned <laughs> later in life that um, I have some form of dyslexia. I'm on the, the spectrum somewhere. And one of the things with dyslexia is you don't have a good, some people don't have good short term memory and that's, that's my problem. So you can imagine trying to remember lines that I wrote and comment, you know, jokes that I was writing and I get up on stage and I can't remember them. So, that didn't go so well, but I, 
I didn't give up. And I said, you know what? I am going to, I still want to do this comedy thing. How can I do it? And I started auditioning for some improv troops and got selected and kind of performed in the Atlanta area for about 10 years. That's amazing. And, and let's dive into improv for just a second. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I want to get into how you apply it. Um, and, and you and I were sharing uh, during pre-show for a second, one of my one of my great friends and not to name drop, but the, the, one of my great friends yeah. growing up was 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 Wayne Brady. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I am people, not. I just want to let the listeners know I'm not a, at the Wayne Brady level. I don't think anybody is really when it comes to improv. Uh, I appreciate he would appreciate that. He's he. What I've always loved about Wayne is how humble he truly is and how hard he works at his craft. And that's that's the point I'm coming to. You know, people come up to him all the time and they think he's just naturally funny. And and of course he mm. is naturally funny, but improv really isn't truly all made up at the same time. It's it's accessing a catalog of. Right ideas and memories and things and comebacks and stuff it, it is a craft but describe that a little bit yeah that's it's interesting you ask that question at this point in the show because that when i when i teach improv or do my keynote talks on improv or have workshops around improv it's something that comes up later because people are always wanting to they always think people that perform improv are and we are quick-witted you have to be quick-witted to uh uh, standpoint. Um, but at the same time, you, it comes down to preparation and practice. And to your point, it is a craft. It's an art form. So you have to work on it. So my troop, we used to, and people got shocked about this. We used to rehearse three times a week to perform once, maybe twice a week. And they're like, what are you talking about? You practice improv. Um, they're, they're like, it's winging it, right? It's just making stuff up on the fly. And, and to some point it is, right? Because you're getting, you don't know what the audience is going to give you on any given night. Um, so you are making, and you don't know exactly, there are no scripts, so you don't know exactly what the other actors are doing. But to your point about this catalog, we would work our butt off on putting ourselves in every different situation. So um, we would create characters, right? That's when we would create characters. Um, you know, Wayne Brady's known for music. I, I, I was never the best, like, on-the-fly rapper like he is, but that's when you practice that stuff and rhyming and coming up with words so that you can recall it really quick when you're on stage. But it's about practice and knowing knowing your strengths and knowing the strengths of other actors. One of the things in, in improv that a lot of people don't know is that nobody really wants to be the, the winner, right? Nobody wants to be the grandstander. It's all about how can you make other people on your, on stage more awesome. And the way you know that is by working with them over and over and you know what they're really good at. And you're always trying to set them up. You never want to get the punchline. You want to set up somebody else so they get the punchline. The only way to do that is knowing the people so well that you know exactly what their strengths are and you can constantly feed them information that will hopefully get them the punchline. And it just, you know, that that trust that you have on stage with the other actors kind of comes across to the audience. And uh, and then eventually the punchlines just start coming from everywhere and everybody's having a great time. And, and I love that point you just made, because to every phenomenal improv comedian, there's always the right hand. And they, they generally don't get the name or fame or fortune that 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 the you know, so you have Wayne Brady. Most people don't know the, about Jonathan Mangum. And and Jonathan obviously um, has has done very well in his own right, but then also Wayne is being loyal as he is. 
Um, there's never been a big show or big opportunity that Wayne has taken where he hasn't brought John- Jonathan along. And those two met at an improv troupe in Orlando, you know, back in the very early 90s. But even on, you know, Let's Make a Deal, Jonathan's the co-host. And, right. you know, when they're yeah. doing Whose Line Is It Anyway, Jonathan's there. Um, but it's it's the same thing, right? Like Steve Higgins, to me, I think is brilliant on how he sets up Jimmy Fallon to be funny. Right, that's mm-hmm. the things I look at. The, those guys are the best in, in the world to have that right hand person that that's teeing you up, so you can be the funny guy. Right, not you know, I don't know. It's funny you bring those guys up. I, I don't know if they were improvising or not, but my all time favorite comedians were Abbott and Costello, or are Abbott and Costello. They're no longer with us, but um, just the the combination of those two and how one set up the other um, was just amazing. And either one of them wouldn't be as entertaining without the other. And that, Absolutely. Me, that's what improv is all about. I mean, it's how the whole team kind of supports each other. So we're going to dive into that in the team concept, but we've got to stop here and take our first break. Let uh, our sponsor, CA, uh, spend some money and pay our bills. We'll be right back with Coop Coopersmith. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I want to do a little test to make sure we're hitting the airwaves loud and clear. So if you're out there, you're listening to us live, just send a little tweet to at Rick A. Morris. That's at Rick A. Morris. Let me know you're out there. Let me know that you guys are having fun with Coop Coopersmith today. So, Coop, we, you know, we were talking uh, previously. So you were an accountant. You went to an improv comedian. Uh, but then you decided to leave that and become an IT consultant and then back to an improv comedian. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, well, I, before I get to that, I, I just got, I forgot to mention earlier about that music. I love that. I don't know what instrument they're playing or it's some technical thing, but I want to, if I can get that for my like voicemail or something. Yeah, I, I actually own the rights to that song and it only cost me a quarter of a million dollars. I can tell you that story later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, maybe I don't need it for my voicemail, but, but I do enjoy it. I, I do love it. it it's kind of, it's very catchy. Uh, so yeah, so I was, I kind of, the, the improv and IT side kind of went almost in parallel, actually. Uh, so, so while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I was when I grew up, I started doing the improv, but then I, I also be, got into the IT world because I was a subject matter expert in financial applications. And I was working with the IT teams at the time. This was early 90s, working on kind of upgrading to, to PeopleSoft and the big ERP packages. And I would work with the IT teams closely, and I was that power user subject matter expert. So when uh, I enjoyed that so much, I was like, well, maybe that's kind of my angle. Let me give it a try. And I became a business analyst and later project manager and kind of settled in in, in kind of the business analysis space on technical teams. Um, so so now I was running those two lives in parallel. And then my wife and I, so Janine, who I talked about earlier, that kind of pushed me to, to try the stand-up. Uh, we ended up getting married and then we were going to have uh, a family. And, you know, I said I, we practiced three times a week. We were performing every weekend. Uh, and I had a full-time <laughs> job now, uh, and you know, she said, "Hey, if we're gonna have a family, you got to give one of the two things up, right? You can't be performing all the time and doing your IT job." So sat back and thought. And at the time, improv, I was making a decent salary in the IT career, uh, but improv was paying me about fifty dollars a week. So um, you could imagine maybe what I decided to do instead of going full head on into the improv, I decided to kind of let that go and, and stick with the IT career. So that's how I got into business. And now, you know, back to the improv side where I do most of my performing is for corporate America, right? And helping people use improv skills. And in my bio, you read like that is where, like I credit everything to my success to back to my improv skills and how I can connect with people, how I collaborate with people. And, you know, I always thought, why did I love being on teams? What, what was it about being on teams? Why did people want me on their team? And it came, it comes down to pure 100% down to my improv training that I've had and experience. And, and so I want to make a clarifying comment um, <laughs> in the flow of your story there, because you said, you know, my wife and I were trying to have children, and you know we were practicing three times a week. You were practicing improv three times a week, right? That's, I just want to make sure that we're being very clear. Yeah, I didn't even okay. see that. That's the beauty of improv. 
Um, and hopefully we're practicing more than that. I can't remember. I, my working memory is not that great. So hopefully we're practicing more than that. But, you know, um, anyway, back to improv. It's Friday. We're silly. Let's have some fun. So, uh, you know, um, so so you talked about how you got into improv. and, and But, you know, what's a – in practicing improv skills, you, you don't need to it practice improv skills just to be a comedian. I mean, how could people practically use improv just in everyday situations? Right. You know, and that's it's one of the key things that people ask all the time. Like, oh, you're teaching improv. Are you trying to turn me into a comedian? And the answer is no. Actually, you know, the history of improv goes back to, you know, it was it was a way for actors that were on stage, theater actors, to warm up and get ready and be prepared. Um, and then it, uh, I forgot exactly what year, but then it started to become kind of its own art form and became improv comedy. Um, but the improv itself, the, the core to improv and the lessons in improv could be used every day. I mean, think about, think about what's happening right now, Rick. You, we planned somewhat for the show, right? I mean, we had... We talked a little while before the show. We had emails back and forth. So we did some preparation, but we don't have a script of exactly what we're going to say. You, you don't have a list of questions that you're going to ask me, and I don't have like a script that answers those word for word. If you bump into someone in the hallway at work, do you have a script when you're having that conversation? If you're going to talk to a stakeholder uh, about needs, do you have a script? If somebody calls you on the phone, do you have a script? If you're daughter comes down and asks you a question about something. Do you have a script? No. So in life, we don't have scripts. And just like on stage with improv, we don't have scripts. So every waking moment, we're improvising. So if you think about it in those terms, then now you can be like, okay, I have to get better at this improv thing. And not being a comedian, uh, I do think in the workplace, uh, we could probably be having more fun, but that doesn't mean you have to be a stand-up comedian or cracking jokes all the time. It's just, I think we need to relax a little. Like, you know, this whole show is the work-life balance. Um, I like to almost say there needs to be a work-life blend, and that's one of the things. Like, you don't just have fun outside work. You can have fun at work as well, but you don't have to be a comedian. No, and, and humor has always been a natural uh, mechanism for me um, and, and what I've mastered over time is to be able to use that to relieve tension at tense moments in meetings or, the, you know, somebody right. just said something and, you know, you can feel the tension and being able to just to make that witty comment to move it on. Um, but I've taught my kids, you know, in, in, you know, Maxwell wrote a book, uh, you know, everybody communicates few connect. I think that's a beautiful book if, if nobody's ever yeah. read that. Um, but I teach my kids, I, and I tell them that every interaction is a transaction and somebody's buying and it's based on relationship capital. So you can either leave them feeling good or leave them feeling bad and, you know, a debit or credit in that relationship bank. So, um, humor is such a, a, a beautiful, and, and there's not only that, but there's medical reasons to laugh. There, there, there's laughter produces all kinds of wonderfully beautiful feelings. Um, and so why not be known for the person that can always make you laugh? Absolutely. Yeah. And so an example of that, and this is how, um, I use improv or comedy or, you know, fun like that in the workplace. A perfect example I have is, I was on a conference call with, it was me and three other people, and we were, we were talking about, we were trying to all figure out how, you know, we were all speakers and we were trying to figure out how can we collaborate and maybe kind of work together and do this. And early on in the conversation, somebody said, you know, 
um, I can be in Vancouver. Joe can be in Sydney, Australia. Tim can be over in London and Coop's going to be in Topeka, Kansas. And I, I just said, wait a minute, why, why am I in Topeka? You know, that seemed like the worst place out of the four. Right? <laughs> and everybody, everybody on the line laughed. Right. Um, so I like, that's where I kept that moment in my head. I'm like, all right, when we get to a tense point in this conversation, cause I knew it would, you know, there's, there's egos involved. So I knew at some point, uh, it would get a little tense and, I just held on to that noticing. So I, this is the listening part of improv that helps. It's like I listened to what made everybody laugh. And then, of course, there was a tense moment in the conversation and two, two people were uh, debating about something and it felt like it was getting a little too tense, not, not good, healthy tension. So, so I just, hey, hey, guys, wait a minute. At least you guys aren't in Topeka, Kansas. You know, and it, that moment, it broke that tension and we were able to get back to, to the thing. So that, I mean, that is one way to use improv. And that, to me, that is about listening and paying attention to what's happening in conversations, not just being part of a conversation, but really focusing on what's happening. Because in improv, you know, think about it, there's no scripts, you got an audience in front of you, and you're trying to, to make them laugh. I mean, that's the, the big idea, you're trying to make them laugh. So you have to focus so much on what the other actors are doing and listen for offers, like listen for things because you got to respond really quickly on stage. So you got to listen for things and figure out what did they say and what can I think of in a split second to react to what they're saying. So, um, and that level of focus that you have to have as an improviser, we need to have that level of focus in as in all of our conversations, just like the, the level of focus I have right now, there's no, I am not checking my email, although I have my computer up and things are around. I'm not checking my email. I'm just focusing solely. I'm not thinking about anything else except this conversation. And I think, especially in corporate America, you get into these conference rooms, people are slouched back, they're checking their emails. Um, they're on their phone, on their computer, doing 200 things at the same time. Things are not as efficient and, and to your point, relationships are being fractured because of how other people are interacting with each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to the last point because I was checking my email. But um, <laughs> the point being, um, no, there's it, always it, one in the crowd, folks. Yeah, there's right. That, sorry, that was me. Um, <laughs> hopefully, what you said was important. But uh, what I, what, no, what, in all seriousness, it, you know, even even the 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 side joke, and I think I, what I like about improv and practicing is, you know, comparisons and drawing comparisons, and you know, there, there's a great game that that you do that with. Um, and things come into your brain, and you you, you got to learn to have a fantastic filter. Uh, but even in boring topics, like so, I had an exec, a room full of executives. We were talking about resource management. And it was getting tough, and they were like, you know. And I love the we don't have time to do resource management. And my comeback was that's it's like saying you're too fat to diet. Um, and <laughs> that, but but that disarmed them, and all of a sudden they just all broke out in laughter. And that's when I know I have a room. That's when I know I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ready to teach and ready to make an impressionable point um, because I've got them relaxed. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the hot, so this is another key thing. And I want to get back at some point to listening because there's a great game that, that we play to help with that focus. But you just brought up another awesome point about improv. Like you could have said that and, it, and sometimes, and maybe you've been doing this long enough, Rick. So you're, you kind of know, at what points to kind of throw that stuff in there where you think the, 
either it's the class you're in or in the conference room that you're in, the people you're dealing with. But one of the things in improv, what helped me a lot is get comfortable with risk-taking, trying things, and if they don't work, adapting and trying something else. And I think that's so important in the workplace because too often decisions don't get made. People don't try stuff because they're afraid of failure. And in improv, you know, there's some troops that, that are called, you know, tight roping without a wire or a net or whatever it is, because it's really risky. You try something, somebody says something on stage, you have to react right away. And again, our goal with improv comedy would just make people laugh. So you would try something and it, it would fall flat. It wouldn't make sense. It wasn't good. But that's, it's okay, because another actor, again, is going to have your back and give you something else to play off of. Um, so it's that risk-taking piece that it made me comfortable now in the workplace if I'm not sure what to do, or you have this tense moment, you know what, I'm going to try to throw out this analogy about um, being too fat to diet, and let's see what happens. Sometimes it falls flat, but you can't just fall apart because uh, that one liner didn't work. You got to keep going and, and not and be persistent. Uh, and that's a great point. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how listening uh, affects improv, and we'll be right back with Coop Coopersmith. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance with Coop Coopersmith. We've been talking about improv and applying improv. And right before the break, we teased that we were talking about listening in improv. So, Coop, why is listening in improv so important? Yes, I, I talked about that a little. The, the key is there, there are no, uh, no scripts, right? So you, you don't know what the, the other actors, the other players that you're up there with are going to do or say. So the, the level of focus you have to have is, is intense. Um, and you have to um, respond at a speed that works with the other actors so that they can respond. You know, I said earlier, like the we never wanted to be the one getting all the punchlines. We would always try to serve stuff up to, to the other players and make them more awesome. So if you think about now in, in the workplace, or even personal relationships. Uh, and we all know those people that communicate at a speed so fast um, and talk at a level. And I, I've been in those conference rooms. There's where these really smart people, articulate people, but nobody can keep up with them, right? They can't, can't focus. So I play this game when, when I'm training people on this. I play this game called the mirror game. And I, two people get up and they stand up. They're looking face to face. They have their hands up kind of in a, you know, like a field goal position. And then I tell them to start to, they're now a mirror. So start to mirror each other um, and move your hands, move your body, move your face, do whatever, but you have to act like you're a mirror. And the first time people do this, everybody is trying to beat the other person. And there's always one like fast Eddie out there that's going so fast that there's no way the other person can keep up. So um, listening is, is not just with your ears. It's, it's with your eyes and watching the people that you're communicating with. So you have to, to go at a, one, go at a speed that other people can keep up with the communication. So listening, people always think listening is the other person's job, but I really think communication in general is if you're trying to communicate something, it's your job to figure out how you need to communicate and go at a speed that the other person can consume it. And, and there's so much information flying at us every day that you have to really keep an eye out and, quote, unquote, listen to what the audience is doing. And are they keeping up with your topic and the thing you're talking about? Again, it's not about making yourself look good. It's about making the other people look good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. Um uh, I watched uh, a guy uh, while I was at Maxwell this this week uh, share a story about listening, and um, the, there was a, a a gentleman. He's you know he, he's got a million people in his downline at, at Amway. Actually, this was Dr. Robert Rome was sharing the story. He said he got a million dollar a million people in his downline, and I uh, was going to an event, landed in a private jet, and uh, told the guy you know make sure you get everything out of my my uh, bags and or everything out of the plane to get to this event. When he gets to the event, he said, "Where's this small bag?" Um, and the guy said, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, it was inside the plane, um, and it's got my blood pressure medicine, and it's it's very important I have to take it. And he says, I apologize um, that I didn't confirm you listened to me properly. That's completely my fault. Um, so I'm right. happy to go back and yeah. get it. And what a beautiful moment, right? How well said. 
Yeah, you know, so uh, here's another story. You brought up Amway. So before I started doing comedy, I was approached to do Amway. And if I knew I could add a million people in my downline and, you know, going flying uh, private jets, maybe I would have chosen Amway over uh, over improv. No doubt. No doubt, right? <laughs> so you, you mentioned the mirror game. What What's another one of your favorite games that you like to play in improv? And so when it, it comes down to it, the, the favorite game for me, and I think the mother, uh, the reason why I love this game, and it's called Yes End, and I think it's becoming more and more popular. Um, we were just talking, you know, on the break that you use it in an Agile class that you teach. I see it a lot in the Agile community. Uh, and it's called Yes End. And the, the reason that the game is all about the mother of all improv rules and it's about no denying. Like you never deny on stage. Uh, the reason for that is you put all the pressure back on the other actor. So think about it. If you and I were doing uh, a performance and you came on and said, hey, Coop, let's let's play baseball. And I'm like, Rick, nah, not in the mood. How would that go over on stage? Exactly. It would fall flat. And then it puts all the pressure back on you to come up with something else. Um, so it doesn't work on stage. So you have to, the whole concept is you take an idea, you take somebody said, use that idea to build upon it and, and grow. So, um, so when, you know, for, for business professionals, what I do, one of the, we play this game and I have people pair up and they play yes. End. And the way it works is so if you want to play at home with your, your family, you basically, somebody says something, take a topic, any topic, somebody starts off with a sentence. The other person says yes. And, and then adds to the conversation. And then it goes back to the first person and they say yes. And, and they continue to add on to the conversation. So I often have people, uh, because it's still not happening yet, I have people build vacation homes on a moon. So you can imagine like how that conversation goes. You know, it's like, oh, let's have a pool. Yes. And our dog will swim in the pool. Yes. And we'll bring all our friends. And it just keeps growing, right? And they have these elaborate vacation homes on the moon. Um, and then we talk about, so, so how'd that feel? What did that mean to you guys? How can you use it in the workplace? And the, one of the things that typically happens is everyone feels it was very affirming, right? I mean, it felt good. Back to your point about this is all about connection and building relationships. So if you're listening to people well, if you're using this yes-end mindset and being real positive and affirming, you're building connections and trust with your coworkers. So, uh, so people feel really good. And then I ask, you know, so who said, but like, who said, yeah, but, um, and there's always one or two in the crowd that said it, or I wanted to say it, right. So somebody had a crazy idea and they were like, yeah, but you know, we can't really have a pool on the moon. Right. Um, so they denied that person and yeah, but is a big, big time denial. And you and I live in, in the South, uh, South East U S and, I'm originally from New York, and there's other ways that you have denials in the workplace. It's not just, yeah, but. And we definitely have those managers. But let me start with this first. Like, we have those managers that uh, even they claim, like, I have an open-door policy. I want you to come in and talk to me, give ideas. We have to innovate. We have to change. We have to get better. So if you have ideas, come in my office, tell me, open-door policy, and you come rushing in there, and you're like, Hey boss, I got an idea. I think we should do X, Y, and Z. They're like, yeah, but 
uh, we don't have the money for that. Or, yeah, but we tried it last year and it didn't work. Or, yeah, but we don't have the time to do that. Um, and those, yeah, buts, and you can imagine, I mean, I've been in that position, right, where I kept getting, yeah, buts happening to me. Too many buts get thrown at me. And what do you do? You just stop. You say, well, forget it. I don't want to do it anymore. Tell me what you want me to do. Um, so that's why you you got to remove the buts from your language, right? Um, that's the, the key here. Uh, but there are other ways that you say but. And here in the South, Rick, you know this one, uh, bless your heart. Oh, yeah. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is the biggest denial. You know, and it was funny. When I first moved to Atlanta from New York, um, everybody was like, oh, cool, bless your heart. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm coming from New York where people are giving me the finger and flipping me off, right? Um, and I come down here and every day I'm getting blessed by people. Um, but quickly, quickly you learn that bless your heart is, is more of a statement like, you know, your, your mom dropped you on your head a few many times. You're not that smart. Here's how we're going to do things. Um, so there, there's a lot of that passive aggressive butts that go on out there. And you, we have to remove that from our language. The, the challenge is, in, you know, in playing this game with building a vacation home on the moon, you can do whatever you want, right? Um, there's no constraints. It's like we're just having fun kind of, and you can go as wide as possible. So, so it's really good. And we could think about this in terms of when we're brainstorming with a team, it's a really good technique, but in a lot of other conversations, um, we have constraints there in real life. There are budget constraints. There are time constraints. There are resource constraints. So how can we not say, yeah, but, uh, we have to talk about that stuff. So there's just a different, there's a switch in your language that you can use to make sure that you kind of don't say but, but at the same time, you don't have to agree 100%. So the, what I like to, the, the mindset shift is you have to have is that the, the idea that somebody says, and this is the yes part of yes end, something that whatever somebody says to them, it is reality. So whatever idea they have, whatever thing they're bringing up, they think it's a great idea. Uh, by you saying, yeah, but it's like you heard them at the same time, you think they're crazy or that idea is not going to work. So you have to switch your mentality to think that put it back on you. Like the, the doctor you talked about with Amway, that he puts the listening back on him. You have to put the fact of this idea, you have to put back on yourself that you don't know what it means yet. You don't completely understand. So the person is not crazy. They have an idea. They think it's a legit idea. So don't point to them and put, get them on the defense saying their idea is crazy. It Put it back on you that you don't understand completely yet. So just asking a question, help me understand how we're going to do that. I, I don't see us. You know, we have a limited budget. How are we going to do this? Tell me. Give me more information, right? And maybe that they're going to be able to say, oh, well, actually, we don't need a lot of money at all. Um, we already have this license and we can do this and all we need is a hundred bucks and it can be done. Like, oh, wow, I didn't even know we had that. We knew we can do it. So just by flipping that switch to put it back on you and not put it on the person that had the idea is a way you can use yes and without saying yes and and always agreeing with someone. The other component well, and I, the other... I, I, 
Oh. Let's uh, we'll 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 step into that other component. We we're up against a break here, but I do I do love yeah. that. It is something that we use quite a bit in design as well. And we've actually designed mm-hmm. some really big ideas by not saying, well, there's no way we can get that done. Um, and just exactly. exploring that in an hour session in a very real context. But we're going to be right back with Coop Coopersmith in our final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. You're listening to Rick Morris. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality, so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback Build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for our final segment of the Work-Life Balance with Coop Cooper-Smith. And Coop, right before we went to break, we were talking about the yes and game and, and how important that is to remove the butts out of your conversation. Uh, but you, there was another component, and I had to cut you off for break, and I apologize. So what, what was the other component you were trying to come to? It was just another uh, language thing or words that you can use, is uh, especially in brainstorming, sessions. So instead of denying, and a lot of times people don't deny in those, but sometimes they do, or they don't fully grasp what somebody is saying. So they might 
they might use the the word or, um, and that or is also real close to denial. Like, so think about it. If you know, I was like, hey Rick, let's let's go to dinner tonight. Let's grab some Chinese, and you're like, or we can go for Italian. Um, <laughs> that to me is like so. That's like bless uh, your yeah, heart. I wanted Chinese. <laughs> like, uh, if you said something like you know Szechuan or Japanese, maybe you know some other Asian culture, maybe that would work. But um, you totally went a different angle. So to me, that would feel like a denial. So you got to be careful with or. But what you can use is the word. What I like about that is right. So ooh, what I like about that is that a lot of Chinese restaurants they have um, they have like family style dinners. Another type of place is that we have family style is is Italian, right? So just saying what I like about that is at least you're recognizing that there's something that the person said that you can latch on to. And I think, you know, in the workplace, it's really, you know, we, we know there's people that we don't completely see eye to eye with. And sometimes you get in these meetings and um, it doesn't feel good and everything they say might irk you a little. So um, I think you have to be the bigger person and kind of go with the this yes end kind of attitude to um, to really connect with people. And this, you know, it's all about collaboration these days. There's not, I mean, my kids, I have young kids and they're in school, they're working on projects all the time. I mean, I don't know anybody in the workplace now that just sits in their office and they close their door and people push paper under the door. You do something with it and you put it back under the door. You're always working with somebody in some fashion. So if you don't get better at collaboration um, and communication like this and this connectedness, then um, it's just going to hinder you in, in life in general. Yeah. And it's a mind shift, right? The one, one word is yeah. a mind shift. So it's not, yeah. I have to go to this meeting. It's I get to go to this meeting, right? One word changes an attitude and an approach that, that opens doors and possibilities. That's what yes. And does. So, uh, when we do design sessions, we say, what's the really big idea? We're going to save a million dollars in the next six months and, and just throw it out there. And the first, and, and I go, great, because I know your first reaction is this is impossible. So the way we're going to do this is, yes, we will. And here's how we're going to do it. And let's start small. All right. And yep. here we go. But nobody can say no. Nobody can say but. Nobody can say it's impossible. Everything is yes and. How are we going to do this? And we're not leaving here until we have our path. So let's get to work. Um, and it's very powerful, the ideas that you can generate by having that positive mindset. Um, so speaking of uh, positive mindsets, what's some of the best advice you've, you've ever received? Yeah, it's funny because I think you, you said it in, in one way or another just in, in that last uh, follow-up there. I think for me, the greatest advice was around keeping your eyes open to opportunity. And it actually goes with the yes end mindset. Um, like never always think, you know, when something approaches you and if you look at, at my career and the things that I've done and like, I, I didn't have this like well laid out plan that, okay, I'm going to go to college when I'm 17, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, you know, now I'm in my late forties and everything has worked out exactly like I had planned. That's, that's just not how life goes. So it's, it's being open to opportunities. Like someone told me like, just look for opportunities, be open for those opportunities, and then go for some of them, say yes, right? Um, and that's, you know, as a consultant, that's what I do a lot. Um, if, I, if I said no to everything, then I wouldn't make a lot of money. So you have to 
you have somebody says, hey, do you want to do this? Yes, let's do it. Let's go for it and see what happens. Um, I do this in life in general. I do this with networking. I, my goal in life is to meet everybody in the world. And I, I have that goal because I never know when a connection, when somebody I connect with is going to either I'm going to help them or they're going to help me. Um, so I just have a goal to meet everybody. And that it, I'm not limited who I talk to and who I meet. So if I go to a party and see 50 people. I want to meet everybody in that room, regardless of their title, who they are, their status, whatever it is. Um, so when I someone comes up to me and says hello, I accept that hello and have a conversation and, and connect with them. So always keep your eyes open to opportunity. I think that's fantastic. I heard something uh, really profound uh, this week. I've, I've got eight pages of quotes, so I'm not trying to overquote things, sure. but, but um, that every opportunity is surrounded by problems. So expect it, but then look for the opportunity within the problem, which I thought was just one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard, right? It, to, to me, it's like yeah. nobody, nobody ever got successful perfectly. Nobody ever opened up a business and it was such a perfect run through it. And nothing ever not happened. And all of a sudden I had a million dollars and I'm happy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, what a wonderfly way to state that, but uh, I want to make sure that we we're, we're running out of time here and want to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you. Coop. How, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So the, the best way you can hit me up on Twitter, I'm just at Coop K U P E. Um, you can shoot me an email at coop at cooptalks.com. That's my website. You can go to www.cooptalks.com, see what I'm up to and what, uh, what I have to offer. Maybe there's a way we can connect and, and work together. I'd love to, uh, my, you know, I want to make other people awesome. And I do that through this improv advantage. So if there's any way I can help, um, help you, let me know. Outstanding. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and spending time with us. And we were talking on the break. We have to have you back, man. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, in front of the audience and ask you back. So hopefully uh, we can continue this conversation soon. So what if I say no, I don't want to come back, Rick? It's, I, I can't, I can't that, deny that was your that. test. It was, yes, it was deny. yes and. Yeah. I, you already, I already <laughs> knew the answer before I asked. So Coop, it's been a pleasure. So next week we're going to uh, detox the – the John Maxwell experience, and I'm going to share with you guys the things that I learned uh, from this past event, uh, which is is, is going to be incredible. And then we'll have Johanna Rothman uh, on the show right after that. So we've got lots of great things coming on the Voice America Network uh, and uh, on the Work-Life Balance. We hope that you'll continue to join us as you have on every Friday right here on the Work-Life Balance. You've been listening to Rick Morris. We'll see you next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 